Welcome to Views from the Box. Nana, how are you doing? Very good. Better game week. Dominant W. You had a fantastic game week. You won. All your ops lost. You Well, apart from Spurs. But look, listen, I'm not even going to do any pleasantries. Let's just go straight into that game. Bro, it's good we didn't record yesterday because I would have been swearing, effing, blinding. I would have gotten cancelled. I would have said some things I wouldn't want to say. But bro... That game, it's very rare that I'm actually fuming at a game and I was fuming yesterday. That refereeing performance was one of the worst that I've seen in a Liverpool game. I'm not going to say one of the worst I've seen in the Premier League because as we've said in some episodes, the level of officiating is poor. But yesterday, especially in a Liverpool game, wow, was that atrocious. I I like, as it, was up there. it was up there still. That referee performance is up there, one of the worst. Every foul seems to go Spurs' way. Jones, very card, contentious. His way is 50-50. understand why it could be a red. Yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll 50-50, I understand. I'm not even going to get on to the ref for that because if it wasn't given, I don't think it was a red, but I see why they gave it. Yeah, yeah because if he breaks um, Misuma's ankle now, he's, he's obligated to send him off because serious foul play. You've endangered the, the opponent. It doesn't matter if you skimmed over the ball, but the motion is what they consider dangerous, so it is what it is. But outside of that, the Diaz goal that got disallowed, that's, that's where we should start from. Basically, based on the inquiry, the video referee was not concentrating. You could, based on the audio, you could tell that they were eating them and they just weren't focusing. What the hell is that? How come as video referee, you're not 100% focusing on the game? Just because you're sitting in a in a booth in Stockley Park, it don't mean you can act like a fan and just and just be chilling, checking your phone, being 50-50 and you're not 100% focused on the game. You're still refereeing the game. You're still getting paid to referee. It's just that you're an extra set of eyes, essentially. Essentially, you're the fifth official. But yeah. yet, these referees treat like they're doing um fan zone. Like back in the day, when they used to get fans on Sky Sports, doing fan zone, bro. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's egregious. Absolutely egregious. Absolutely egregious. Because it's just funny how, yeah, if you're a manager, you call out referees, you get a you get fined, you get a ban, but referees aren't subject to the same sanctions. If you're a referee and you have like a diabolically bad game, as like you're you are basically negligent in your performance, cool, three match ban or a month ban. You have to go do uh, a referee course. For example, if you get caught speeding, you do speed speed and awareness course and you get and you get fined as well. Referees, if you have a diabolically bad game. You get banned for a month and in that period of time you have to sit exams again you have to pass them before you're allowed back to come and refer games again there has to be some sort of accountability system because right now pgml pgml yeah are like the met police massive wankers who have lack of accountability yeah it's it's very poor because like what you said with the managers managers can't criticize these officials you saw yesterday Jurgen Klopp was rather calm but he did make some cryptic comments Brentford have had some decisions go against them you can see Thomas Frank he's holding back even Arteta when Arsenal have some decisions going against them he has to hold back because if they go full in on these referees they're going to get banned they're going to get fined and it's not right it's not right at all and this VAR decision for me the report that has come out I just can't believe it they they're saying that when they said check complete, they thought that the on-field decision was a goal. I can't believe that because, firstly, Diaz wasn't celebrating with his teammate, so the on-field decision couldn't have been a goal. Secondly, the linesman's flag was up. You could watch the game. In, in what the director shows, the linesman's flag was up. Thirdly, the decision was made so quickly that I highly doubt that they drew lines. I highly doubt that they actually scrutinized that decision. I'm not here to say that there's a conspiracy against Liverpool because in my opinion, I just think these referees are too incompetent for there to be a conspiracy against one team. But something has gone wrong and it needs to be fixed. I don't know how they're going to fix it. I think with the offsides, with VAR, it's a bit annoying when like it's an armpit and stuff. They can bring in the automated system that worked perfectly well in the World Cup. In terms of the actual referees, look, when we watch Euros, when we watch the World Cup, when we watch the Champions League, the standard of refereeing is normally better. And what's the common denominator? English referees are not there or they're not refereeing the most important games. Bring in the foreign referees. If English referees can go to Saudi and the UAE, why can't foreign referees come to the Premier League? But for me, that was that was just ridiculous. And... I've got I've 
calmed down now, but yesterday I was infuriated. Yeah, because the reason why you wait for referees to do better because you wait for actually hold referees accountable. Because that referee, that referee, that Chelsea game, in o- 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 nine. Over, bro, something like that. Yeah. I don't think the referee in the Champions League ever again. He, 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 he retired. Mainly because of the death threat she was getting. But oh, yeah, man. He, he got mad. De- like, police had to patrol his house, which is a bit peak. I don't think... Yeah, yeah. Mainly because of that, but UEFA would not have had him referee another important game again. He'd have been on Europa duty for a long while. So UEFA actually hold the referees accountable because how many times do you see contentious decisions at the Euros, the World Cup? Even the Copa Libertadores, do you see any referee... Discrepancies in, in South America. To be honest, I'm not going to answer that because I don't follow that. I'll, no, no, I don't follow I'll, that. I'll but, be honest. I'll keep it a bug. I don't follow that. I'll, I know, but but if something egregious was, was was to happen in South America, we'd see it on the TL. Yeah, true. I'm not going to lie. Would would get weekly broadcasts about how corruption is rife in South America. But now, yeah, because they're doing it in England, yeah, they're not even getting corruption shots. They're saying they're incompetent. So the Premier League ref, the Premier League, start making refs accountable for their actions because all this, you can't even. You can't even argue with a free when they make a dumb decision. You could get automatic yellow. Why are you giving these incompetent fools here more power when they, they don't even have to use power? They get power trips, especially when the home fans is on their neck and they're getting cussed out here. They take out on, on, on the home team or the team that is on the end of these decisions. Like these referees here, as I said before, they act like policemen with the, with the power trips that they have. No coincidence that Howard is a former policeman and he's, and he's, and he's treating and he's, and he's running PGMO here like the Met Police because honestly, it's a disgrace. Absolutely, space. We should be discussing the game here, but yeah, we spent we're going to spend a good amount of of this Liverpool analysis to talk about the refereeing because the refereeing affected the game that much. Now it it really did, but let's let's jump into the game because I think that game was split into three thirds. There was before Curtis Jones got sent off. There was the period where we had ten men, and there was a period where we had nine men. The and I want to. First touch on Liverpool before going on to Spurs. Despite the loss, despite the last minute goal, and despite how comical Matip's own goal was, that was so clumsy. I actually went out of this game a lot more confident about how we're going to do for the rest of the season. I don't know about you. I felt before the red card, Spurs had more of the ball. But in terms of who looked more threatening, Liverpool looked more threatening. We could attack Spurs in different ways. We had the long diags, which were back. They weren't there last season. We could play down the sides, which we normally do. And then we could play through the middle. And our front three, even though it was Gakpo coming in instead of Nunes, we were still threatening. And defensive, defensively, yes, we, we conceded chances, but it wasn't as if it was like last season where it was one pass and you're running at Liverpool. That We weren't seeing that anymore. In terms of Spurs actually creating clear-cut chances, Spurs actually had to work for the chances, which was what we saw with Liverpool of old. And we're seeing this without Kanate, without Trent and without an actual DM. So for me, I was very encouraged with that, with our mentality. You saw when we went down to 10 minutes, Diaz scored a goal. We scored an actual goal and then Diaz missed a sitter. And then when we went to nine men, you saw our defensive block. You saw how our box defending was very good, how Spurs found it very hard to penetrate us. So for me, I saw a lot of good signs with this Liverpool team. And I'm not going to say we're going to run City till the, and Arsenal till the, till the final five games because I think it's too early to say that. And I think it's unrealistic to go from where we were last season to 90-plus season. But I think... We'll be there and there about with 10 games to go and then City might run away with it, Arsenal might run away with it, or you two might might run away with yeah. it. But I was encouraged with how we played and the mentality of the team. I think there's a lot of positive signs. What did you think from watching Liverpool? Thank God Caicedo's a bozo. <laughs> Bro, if you man got Caicedo, yeah... Would be a free horse race, and we just be about managing Robertson and Van Dijk. From that's what I'm saying. Like the, the main thing that separates Liverpool and Arsenal here is mentality. Arsenal have the quality to go blow to blow to with you guys and Man City, but the mentality is what you guys have. And as you know now, it's just personal issues with Liverpool. From like get to get to the halfway stage, forty five points, you're well in it. Because yeah. you guys have shown you, you're capable of getting close to fifty points in the second half of the season. Yeah. Something Arsenal have yet to, to have shown. So if I'm a Liverpool fan, I'm confident thinking, cool, let's get to halfway stage, 45 points. It doesn't matter how many points you are ahead. Because if I'm a Liverpool fan, I back Liverpool to go on a crazy run, provided we do what's required in Jan. Yeah. Bare minimum. 
defensive midfielder, actual starting midfielder. That would be the bare minimum. Not not an ender, like a, a guy yeah. who's gonna come in and start and yeah. then can push forward. Yeah, because at the end of the day, Van Dyke, Robertson, you you can get to Europa League semi-final without playing your yeah, your 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 your, your, your first race back line because your 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 front line has enough firepower to get you through the, the, the Europa League grounds. It's like where Arsenal, we had to play Saka or one of Saka Martinez here to push the team to drive the team forward. You guys can fully go go with Jota, um, Lowak plus whoever will be dropping in for that day, adding Nunes or Gapo. Also, Salah's very, very super fit, so he can do yeah. Thursday something like it's nothing. So you guys have enough to focus on Europa League front. But as I said, just get to 90, halfway stage, 45 points minimum, and just do what's required in Jan, and you'll be there, thereabouts. Because right now, the mentality is there. You guys have clocked back into the peak level mentality. For last season, you go, go down, it'll be back, back, back to back over your basketball game, struggle to control games. Now, yeah, you guys lock in. So, well and true, just just what personal now. Klopp seems to have gotten over that brain fog when it comes to tactics. Yeah, and all, right? he he was scaring the, the holes because <laughs> after, yeah, he had contracted Vengerism, but the way he was moving. Last yeah, season. so did I. And ta- tactically, he's looked very good this season, and I agree with you. Just get to forty-five points and do what's required in January, and we can properly challenge but i was just talking about this team as we are now i don't think we can properly challenge if if we don't if we get to 45 points and we don't do what's required in january we're gonna fall away oh yeah of course because yeah. as, as we saw with arsenal season when it gets to them final 10 weeks it's emotionally draining physically yeah. draining it's a slog and i imagine yeah you guys get to your latter stages and the champions League teams drop down they're now in the quarterfinals semi-finals teams are smelling glory it's going to be a slow trend. And also, you've got teams fighting relegation in that period as well. You also have the random party poopers. Yeah, so just, just be taxing. So when you, you, that's why you need depth. So if you can get that DM in Jan, you're good to go because at the end of the day, your players are showing that they're, they're supremely fit within well truly. At your heyday, you didn't have to rotate that much. Yeah. Even with your 13, 14 trusted players here, you're able to get 90 points. So imagine with a bit extra pieces here and there, you could do something special. But as I said, Liverpool will be there, thereabouts at the halfway stage. No problems. Also, for you guys, worst case scenario, I don't see you guys losing more than five games. Worst case scenario. Yeah. Worst case scenario. Uh, yeah, I fully agree. I think the maximum amount of games we're going to lose is five. There's going to be a random loss in there. Um, Etihad and Emirates, always difficult grounds to go to. Yeah. So for me, that's two potential losses, three. A random loss, four. And there might be another random loss. But I think that we should limit it, limit it to five games. But... Even though I want to talk about Liverpool this whole segment, we have to talk about the team that won, Tottenham. I I feel they've had a good start to the season. I do believe so. I feel like, yes, there's some people on Twitter that do overrate them, but I'll be honest, I don't take my opinion of Tottenham based off silly people off Twitter. But I'll be totally honest, I was a bit disappointed in them when it was 11 versus 11. I felt like... The build-up was decent. The midfield three, they had they were piecing passes together. Saw drifting out to the right, Basuma piecing things together, and then Madison dropping in the hole. But I felt like when it came to the final third, I wasn't that impressed, especially with James Madison when it was eleven v eleven. And I think Spurs. I still think Spurs are going to finish fourth. I'm after this weekend. I'm more confident that they're going to finish fourth, just because I think United are crap. Brighton conceding six. I I don't think you can be conceding six goals. And- hey, we'll discuss this every later, fam. Because yeah, he, 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 he needs to get pointed the lights from. Yeah, he will. Even though yes, United did concede seven, but I feel like this game. I have to mention that I feel like this game. And to be fair, I think Tottenham fans already know this. Spurs will have a problem with firepower mm-hmm. throughout the season, and I feel like there'll be some games where they should be winning, and it might cost them. But what do you think of Spurs yesterday and the start to the season? Well, what I'm going to say is, yeah, they have not been able to match the performance against United at the start of the season in the last two games. They've been quite disappointed in the last two games. If it wasn't for luck yesterday and Arsenal being bozos, they should be zero points in the last two games, well and truly. Arsenal game, first half and half should have been killed off. They, they, they should be dead and buried. Yesterday, if it wasn't for the stupid ref, you go into halftime 1-0 up or 1-1. And actually 2-1 up. What's this now? 2-1 up. And, you, and you're just defending the lead. And eventually, you just catch them up because you don't have to work that much because you're not trying to get a goal. So, yes, 
you mentioned 11, 11 v 11 yeah even 11 v 9 they couldn't break you guys down it was pathetic absolutely pathetic like like i don't know what andrew's thinking yeah trying to i i, I don't know what the game plan was 11 11 v 9 but it wasn't true because it's like spurs get to a final third and just being side to side with the crossing but you got two giants at the back because Kanata came on it was for that draw cross here and Matip not sorting his feet out. You guys leave there one one and Spurs look embarrassing. I'm not gonna lie. I, I I fully agree. I think eleven v nine, the way Spurs attacked us was very silly. Gary Neville made a very good point that when it's eleven v nine and he was talking based on how United used to do it in training and in games, your wide wingers stay wide and your fullbacks overlap. Yes, Spurs tried to invert Udogie. Um but if they had Udogie, um, the left winger, who was Salomon, um, they had Kulisevsky and then they had Pedro Poro overlapping, that would have stretched our midfield three and that's where the spaces would have come. You saw how the goal came. You had Pedro Poro in, in space and he had enough space to actually drill the ball across. If Spurs did that a lot earlier, potentially they would have gotten the second goal and potentially a third goal a lot earlier than they did. Also, um... I can't, I can't just introduce that. Um, Kulizewski cannot use his weak foot for shit. Yeah, he, 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 he's, he's so predictable. He's, he's very one-footed. He's a, he's a very silky, silky player. He's good with his close control and in tight spaces is good. But there were so many times where he, there was once he beat Robertson, beat him on the outside, but then he cut back to his left foot and that gave Van Dijk enough time to come out and block it. He needs to find a way because we've seen very one-footed wingers succeed. He needs to find a way to have an elite left foot or he needs to improve his weak foot or just become an interior fan yeah he doesn't have the acceleration to be to play wing man like because of injuries yeah he's lost that acceleration he had in an early part of his career at juventus and palmer he needs to be an interior man well and truly like spurs here's me being a neutral in, in january get a winger in it obviously you've got better johnson but get an extra winger and just have son and richardson as the strikers they've got that young guy from argentina Veliz as well third choice so they're looking to get in a winger in, in, in Jan. And they can run a Basuma, Kulezewski, and Madison Mitchell three of them. They even have Benton Court to come back. They yeah. have Star as well. So like yeah. if, if they have that, that's good midfield option. That's good attacking option. But they need they need another goal scorer because that's gonna cost them. Kulisevsky, he hasn't shown that he's a prolific goal scorer. Richarlison is just a joke. Brennan Johnson, let let's see, because I'm just talking based off his what I've seen before. They yeah. just, we need to stick the ball in the net, but at the to moment, be fair, didn't he have like ten league goals last season? Double check because he had decent numbers for for Nottingham Forest. Check that if if he if he did if he did have ten league goals, then look, Brendan Johnson could be a secondary goal scoring option. But at the moment, they only have one goal scoring option in Son. And but he got eight. Decent. That's not bad. That's not bad for a team that just came up and just that was fighting relegation. So to be fair, they have a secondary goal option there. But look, luck or no luck. Four points from Arsenal and Liverpool. <laughs> However, you get it, I have to give them credit. But, <laughs> but moving forward, I'm not even trying to be sounding salty. I said this after four games. I still think Spurs' ceiling is fourth place, and I feel like for what I've seen so far, they're going to be fighting for that fourth place with Newcastle. And the fact that. We're saying that, and we both agree. And this is me after losing to Spurs yesterday. And you, an awesome fan, I hate Spurs. The fact that we both agree on that, whether we like it or not, shows I'm just doing a decent job. It might not be as good as some people on the TL are saying, granted, but we can't deny that the job that he's doing is not bad. It's a decent job so far. But it ain't bad, innit? Like, Andrew never get to the level of Pep Drop or even whatever he's doing. So I'm comfy that still top four, plucky top four contender Spurs. Good for them, man. Good for Bro, them, you man. just you just had to throw in a paw when you when, when you picked them up. Um, like <laughs> this, this ain't Manchester, bro. We don't bread the ops, man. United <laughs> fans can learn from it. Don't suck off your ops, man. <laughs> nah, nah, I do, nah, I do hear that. You, you, you can't bread the ops. You will never catch me breading Everton or United. But uh, as annoying as it is, uh, four points. What is it? The one point behind City. I'm not saying that they're in the title race, but the fact that they're that close to the top after seven games, fair enough. I'm pretty sure it's the best start to the season ever. So, I'll wait, give... was their best start last season? Where did they finish? True, but 
last season you made a good point and you you sussed it out very early that the way Spurs were playing was unsustainable. They were conceding chances. They were conceding chances for fun. In terms of territory, um, the opposition team had a lot of territory. They were always sitting back. You were saying all of that was unsustainable, which it ended up being. But I feel like the way they're playing now is a lot more sustainable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Way more sustainable. Way more sustainable. I'm just messing with that. Don't be right, man. Track it off for contenders. Let's see how they fare against Newcastle. That'll be an interesting matchup, want to see, because yeah. the Castle Stars. It will. Newcastle go back to their roots and just sit back and counter. They'll have a lot of joy against Spurs. But let's see. A quick side on Newcastle. I don't even want to spend too much time. After that snippet of me calling them overrated, they've gone on a good run and they're doing what teams going for top four should be doing. They're beating teams they're meant to be doing. Look, shout out Newcastle. Shutting me up. I have to shout them out. And I feel like at the moment, them and Spurs are the two teams that are going to be challenging for top four because United are a joke, which we'll get onto at some point in this podcast. Because United next, you might as well to wrap up the top four stuff. Then we talk about title racing. Say, say less. Let's 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 get on to United because that's four losses from seven. Worst start in four years, something like that. Worst start in our lifetimes. Worst start in the Premier League era. Worst start to, since probably one of Ferguson's earlier years. In on the face of every game that they've played, they could have potentially lost every single game that they played. This is Ten Hag's second season with, I can only base it off the top coaches that have come in. In Pep's second season, Arteta's second season, Klopp's second season. Well, Pep is an anomaly because in the second season, he got 100 points. He's just a freak. Bro, but, he inherited a team of title winners, bro. Yeah. Okay, you know what? Let's, let's, let's keep Pep out of this. Yeah. In, in Arteta and Klopp's second season, and I feel like Arteta and Klopp inherited way worse squads than um, Ten Hag did, spent a lot less money than Ten Hag did in the first full transfer window. And with both of them, you could see what they were trying to do. You could see improvements. It wasn't perfect for both of them. I'm not going to yeah. come here and say that they were blowing teams away, but you can see that they were, there was an upward trajectory. With United, they've taken a step back and... For me, I don't even want to talk about the players that they've bought because we've discussed them at length. I want to talk about the players that have been there before Ten Hag came because a lot of people keep on blaming Glazers, 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 Glazers. But I feel like it comes a point where you have to blame players who've been there and be showing the same sort of performances under Oli, under Ralph, under Mourinho, and now under Ten Hag. And I want to start with Marcus Rashford. I'll let you talk on Marcus Rashford because good season last year, Stats-wise, but in terms of his actual overall play, for how old he is, for how experienced he is, I can't believe there has been this little development. Remember when I said a couple of years back, if Rashford ain't careful, he's gonna be uh, the new field field walk-up. Boy, it's it, it, it might be a case. I also remember I said that if you walk the benefit from actual coaching with the raw materials that he had, and Rashford is the same issue. The lack of coaching in his formative years, yeah. We're actually seeing it. He's turning 26 soon. This yeah. is Rashford in his prime. This is Rashford fan. Crash, bang, well up, play over the shoulder, finish and finish um the the, the, the final action. For a guy with his talent, he should be in a, a complete forward. Bring others into play, associative play, playmaking. Basically, he should be a complete forward with the talent that he has. But unfortunately, no four of his own. The yeah. point of coaching. He's had a United team diabolical. Apart from Van Gaal, he did have the, the, the right amount of coaching in his formative years. You saw how he was in his early career under Van Gaal. Amazing. Because he told that this guy, he's going to be a world beater. Then Mourinho came and stored him for two and a half years. Then Oli came. Oli just let him do what he wanted. Didn't really coach him. And now Tenaga's now come here. Rashford is literally in his prime, turning 2016. So when I, when I said all those years back, he might be the new Phil Walcott. I may have been trolling at the time here, but now, yeah, based on the facts, it's looking like it. Player with the right attributes to be a world beater, but because of lack of coaching and injury, they haven't been able to fulfill their potential. And it's quite sad because for Rashford, they should be the golden guy for this new United as the main guy. But as some fans are saying, yeah, they think he's part of the problem. I, I say... Not, I don't see he's too much of a problem. He's way down the list in terms of problems that United have. But for United right now, the main problem is squad building. They shouldn't really be getting onto Rashford and Bruno per se because 
Ten Hag made them the main guys in his team, well and truly. So yeah, Rashford, man. It is what it is, man. Um Rebo for your Walcott with just a bit more talent. I I rate what you said about he should be a world beater at the moment. With the time that he has, he should be a complete forward. I remember a couple episodes back, we were talking about top wingers in the world. And I feel like in terms of attributes, Rashford should have been in that list. He should be a main man for United. He should be a main man for England. He should be one of the best players in the Premier League. He's quick. He has a good shot. He can finish and he can create. He can put in good passes and good crosses. But I feel like his main issue is decision-making. There's so many times he's running through down the wing and he just wants to score at every Hold given quickly. opportunity. Have you noticed that since COVID, his 1v1 game, his ISO game has become non it's, it's, it's gone worse. Because despite his inconsistent decision-making here, he could always isolate his fullback, get a couple yards and play a simple pass. But, but otherwise it would be an effective simple pass. And that's completely out of his game now. Is that down to the injuries or is just now he's so focused on goal-getting? I think it's he's so focused on goal-getting because there was... Oh, which game was it? There was a game at Old Trafford a couple of weeks back where he had, no no joke, seven opportunities to play in either Hoyland, Bruno or the other attacker. And he went for goal every single time and he didn't score at any given point. It's as if when he gets into the box... The only thing that's on his mind is to score. And for me, that's, I can't blame forward for thinking that because Salah used to be like that before last season and this season. But the thing is, with players like Salah, he was getting 20 league goals minimum. He was getting 30 goals all season minimum. So he had the right to do that. Rashford, he's not getting that amount of goals on a consistent basis. So he doesn't have the credit in the bank to warrant his decision-making. And... It's like you said, it is sad because he is a very talented player. I'm not saying that he's part of, he's like the main problem because, like you said, United have a lot more problem, which we're going to get into. But when you're one of the main players in the team, like you, like you said, when Arsenal were doing bad, like I said last season when Liverpool were doing bad, when a team is doing bad, you, you have to look at the main players, especially when they're not performing well. Your Bruno's, your Rashford. So they're not part of the, they're not the main problem. But they are part of the issue and it, ne- it needs to be called out because they have not performed at all this season. Yeah, yeah. Like, as I said, most United problem this season is it's in Hawks' fault. United fans try to say, oh, it's the Glazers limiting them here. But wasn't the whole premise of him taking the job here is that he'd be given full control over transfers and what to do with the squad? His first interview when he comes to this country, eras come to an end. Okay, fair enough. And then he proceeds to make short-term decisions in the transfer market in his first season. Picking, as I said, as I said, as I said multiple times, picking results over a process. And it's what happens when you pick results over a process. As an Arsenal, I can say this, it sets you back a season. Arteta tried to do that. Yeah, I was about almost to say. Almost got the sack. I was about to say. Arteta tried to do that at the start. He, you remember when he said, oh, I want to win Champions League in three years. Okay, our team is pretty shit now. <laughs> Are you sure, my guy? Proceeds to buy William, gave Aubameyang a bumper contract. Almost gets fired. And because of COVID, there's no fans they see him. He got lucky. And now that's done the same thing. But he spent 400 million in the process. Yeah. And he had a worse for it. Mm. So, uh, if I'm United fan, I'm blaming Hug Because you took the job and you said, I only took this job because I've been allowed to, I've been allowed to do what I, I want to do. And secondly, you refuse to work with the person who could have fought your corner in case the Glazers are going back on their word, which was Ragnar. You said, United need 10 new players here. And you refuse to work with him. A guy who could have fought you, fought, fought for you, and, you, and been in your corner in case the Glazers try to go back on their worth, as, as I said before. So the blame lies square at Ten Hag's feet. I'm not going to lie because I thought he was this expansive guy, yeah. JPP. But now his press conference last week or this week, possession is not a be or end all. In preseason, he said, I want to be the best transition team in the world. So what is your philosophy? Because Ajax, you weren't, you weren't no transition demons. You guys were getting the ball down, play, link up, good football, and scoring loads, loads of goals. So what changed? It's like, he's, he like, it's like he's confused himself. And to add insult to injury, this summer, to even maintain Manu's level, he could have got a playmaker and actual DM to come in for Casemiro here and there. And he went and got Mount instead. Wasted 70 mil on Mount, 65 mil on Mount who's basically a reborn Bruno. He's Bruno light, essentially. And now 
you're, you're, you're wondering why United are unable to control games. And add that to that, yeah, United are very unathletic. Very unathletic. Even, even if you want to play a transition-based game, yeah, you have to be very athletic. Otherwise, it's ineffective. It's not going to work. He wants to be the best transition team in the world, but buys Anthony for almost 100 more last summer. Is Anthony a transition demon? Nah. So, Tanaka's bought players who are suited to JDP and players suited to transition football. So now you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Can't stick or twist. He's he's put himself in a massive chiz. And he, where he messed up was last season, he should have said, instead of talking about Eos content, he should have said, when there was no expectation on United, he should have just said, give me three, four years, we'll be competing again, give me time to rebuild this team from the ground up. He believed in his hype and now he is stuck. Stuck. And could potentially lose his job. So, it's it's it, it you're right it's it's looking so long for him because he's at the biggest club in england and bro you don't get time when you're getting results like this four losses and seven is awful. especially when you're talking crud yeah when you're talking crud when every single press conference when you lose you're always complaining and blaming other things and you made such a good point which i wanted to make he it's as if he doesn't know what star he wants to implement and if you want to be successful at a team you need to implement a style and buy players that are suited to that style if you look at the players that he's buying or the players that he's playing or the tactic that he's using it's not consistent and that is not good for progression and it's not good for a rebuild and he needs to change that quickly you said with Arteta he tried to go for uh results over process and he nearly got the sack Ten Hag has gone for result over process. He's not as he's not as lucky as Ateta because the fans are in the stadium. He needs to find a way to change it. He and he needs to change it fast. For me, stick to a style, play the players that are in the team to that style, and every single window buy players that will make that style better and get rid of players in the team that are not going to make that style better. He needs to be ruthless. He's been ruthless with. Maguire, he's been ruthless with Jaden Sancho, he's been ruthless with Cristiano Ronaldo, but now he needs to be ruthless in terms of his squad building, not just based of attitude, but also based of style of play, because it's not going to help him. It really isn't going to help him, because if he doesn't make Champions League this season, and if they do poorly in the Champions League, he has no leg to stand on. It makes last season a complete waste of time. Also, he's given contracts to players here who shouldn't be the long-term future of United. Luke Shaw gave him a new contract. He's given Dalo a new contract. Give him a second new contracts. These players here, they're good players here, but they're capped at top four level. They're top four contending players. He's completely shot himself in the foot. Okay, Bruno contract here, that was given before he even touched down. So fair yeah. enough. The only players that he should have really kept in this team moving forward from the old regimes should have been Rashford and Bruno because they were the main guys there already. So you have them two already who are tactically, may tactically limit you, but you could work something that. And they're not bad players. Like, yeah. no, like no matter what people want to say about Rashford and Bruno, these guys are not bad players. They can like United can succeed with these two players as yeah. part of the team. Yeah. Let's yeah. get that straight. Yeah. 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 Because I've been a lot because they're saying, oh, if Bruno and Rashford are your main guys, yeah, you're you're capped. You're only capped if your coach is moving like an idiot, like Tanaga's doing. Yeah, you can still get something out of Bruno and Rashford in the JDP system. You just have to give them special roles, as we've seen. Harkness is giving Havertz a special role. It can be done. Grealish got given a special role at Man City. You can mitigate the weaknesses of certain players here in the JTB system. If you if the whole system itself is built on strong foundations. But yeah, Tanaga has messed with foundations. Shaw, Wambisaka, Dalo, they should not be the part of your new foundation. You want Malasha, he's not even better than Luke Shaw. Even Malasha, what's up with Malasha? Is he, he's done his ACR. This guy's but, not been seen since preseason. He hasn't been seen... I'll have to double check. Hopefully he's injured because if he's not injured, then that's a failure on Ten Hag because uh, he's injured. But I don't know how serious it is that he's, he's ah, okay. missing this season. But even the signing itself, he didn't prove to be better than Luke Shaw last season. No. So yeah, the squad building has been horrific, and it's Ten Hag's fault. I'm not hearing all this old oh, glazes, this glazes that it's Ten Hag's fault. He said, "I have full control." He got rid of the guy who could have helped him with squad building, and he took up and he took everything upon himself, and he has to bear the consequences. United fans should not should not be. Should not be an absorbent and hug of any criticism. What's happening on the pitch is his fault. The glazers should only be an issue here when we're talking about um the off-foot issues with the stadium and the infrastructure. That's the glazers issue. But on the pitch, everything lies at Ten Hag's feet. 
I fully agree. And he, he needs he needs to ride it out until January. That's his best bet. He needs to ride it out until January. He needs to make sure that United are in the top four race come January. And then in the January transfer window, he needs to fix the deficiencies of the team or start the process of fixing the deficiencies of the team. Wait, he can't, bro. He, he wasted the funds. <laughs> then then he's pissed. Then then this season, then if he can't fix it. I can't see him finishing this. Like, season. He knew he was on a tight budget, but yeah, wasted money on players yeah, that he didn't need or players that weren't con- conducive to what he's trying to do. <laughs> and United fans would chase or t- turn on and blame Bla- Blazers. So now knew the budget, he knew the constraints, and yet he prioritized the wrong things. So it is what it is, man. Like United are pissed. Like what what they can hope for long term here is to be- become a cup team and come top four every season, bro. That's what they can hope for from Ten Hag's tenure. I'm not gonna lie. Bro, I'm not if if he if he's not going to be given the funds to fix to try and fix this in January, I can't see him last in the season. I'll be totally honest with you, Nana, because I can't see United doing well in the Champions League, and I can't see United making the top four. And if both of those things happen, he's gone. Then it'll be Ten Hag's fault. I'm not gonna lie. Then it'll be Ten Hag can only blame himself if he's fired from United because he messed himself up. First of all, by increasing expectations when there was none for Man U, errors come to an end. Right, 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 right. Short-term signings, showing that it's all about results now. It's his fault. If he gets fired, it's his fault. Should, United fans should not be talking about Glazers or nothing. Tenag has made his bed. It's time for him to lie in it. Be it being sacked or having a bad season and he has to ride it out. <laughs> they can't blame Glazers on that one. Tenag fucked himself over. That's it. Nah, he properly did. But look, let's see. Let's see how they do in the Champions League. They're playing Galatasaray. A big chance for them to get their first Champions League wins since when Oli was there and then next weekend they need to win because they can't have five losses from eight but before we get on to Arsenal and City bro we had to talk about the first game of the weekend Brighton six Villa I have Villa one Brighton Villa six Villa six Brighton one and look I don't even want to dissect the game too tough I want to talk on a deserve and B, Aston Villa. You, as good as Deserby is, results like this always make me skeptical that he's properly ready for the big, big jobs because losing 6 1, you can't be doing that. Lost 3 1 at home to West Ham and West Ham. 5 1 at home to Everton as well last season. 5 1 at home to Everton. There's been some results where you're just thinking, whoa, even against Arsenal last season, yes, they had a, a flurry later on, but Arsenal were out to you pumping them. But to be honest, I'll allow that one because that was when Arsenal were in the pump. So, you know, that one I'll allow. But there's some results I'm just thinking, bro, you're a good coach, but you need to you need to fix this. You really need to fix this because the Villa game, even though the, the results was looking shocking, I watched the game, I watched the goals. There were goals where I feel like I don't think Brighton's defensive shape was poor. I just feel like it was individual mistakes. And I feel like if he's at a better team, you have better players and individual mistakes will reduce. But he's had these results more than once as Sassuolo, his team lead goals. So this is an issue that's been consistent for a while and he needs to fix it as soon as possible. What do you think? Do you think he has the capabilities of fixing it? And do you think he has the capabilities of succeeding at a bigger club because he's the next flavor. Of, he's the flavor of the month at the moment for every big job. Madrid, people mention his name. Man City, people mention his name. If Man, if Arteta were to leave, I wouldn't be surprised if some Arsenal fans mentioned his name. Even with Liverpool, when Klopp was doing bad, people were mentioning his name. Now, first and foremost, well, I, I want to say is if you're Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal fan, yeah, you don't want you, you don't want to deserve it anywhere near that job. Then, until he learns to be pragmatic or actually build a defensive system that does not lead chances. He should not be considered for them three jobs. I tell you about what I said about him being on a shortlist for Man City. Forget that. I'm sorry, yeah. If you want to be a manager of a big club, take pride in your defensive shape. And you, you, you know what you said a couple of weeks back, saying that he doesn't care about trophies, he cares about playing good football. That is Vengerism right there, fam. Sounds like, sounds, like, sounds like Poch. Sounds like Poch as well, when Poch was dismissing the FA Cups and the Carabao Cups, but continue. Yeah. First of all, his mentality is off. He basically all he cares about is playing good football and getting off his ideas on the pitch. And that's perfect for a club like Brighton. Happy to be here. That is perfect for them. They will score loads of goals, can see loads of goals. Entertain us. Yeah, basically, they're happy to be entertainers, son. I have no issue with that. For a club like Brighton, perfect. We'll, we'll get you into Europa League, but we'll never be good enough for Champions League. I'm sorry. But you always be Conference League, Europa League, there, thereabouts. That's fine. 
and that's very, that's very good for a team like Brighton. Yeah, develop all the all the all the young hipster players over the months and allow us to come and buy them for premium fees. That's perfect. But until he takes pride in in defending and actually wants to compete, he should not be concerned about big jobs at all. I'm sorry, that's a massive red flag, massive massive red flag. Because there's no reason why, yeah, you're a good coach. You should be drinking goals like that, especially this far, this this deep into your career. Like Sassuolo, his team, Sassuolo, mid-table. Eighth was the highest I think he came, or seventh or sixth, I don't know. But scored loads of, loads of goals, played good football, but they conceded a lot of goals and held batterings here and there. Same things happened at Brighton. And, and I hope, yeah, fans actually take notice of this pattern. Good coach. But for him to be in that upper tier, or even to have the potential to be in the same tier as your Peps, your Fergies, your Mourinho's, to get to that table, he has to take pride in his defensive structure, man. Let's let's see if he can do it because the way he attacking wise, he's one of my favorite managers. In oh, yeah, the- it's perfect attacking. There's not there's no there's no um bad black marks. It's amazing. Build up is perfect. Like Charles creation, yeah, the build up is so good to the point whereby teams like Arsenal, City, and Liverpool happen to sit back and just counter them because yeah. the build up is too good. There's no yeah. point trying to press it; you get you get bopped. So the, his player development is also very good. Yeah, it's perfect. It's just pragmatism. He needs to he needs to do what Eddie Howe did there and go watch a couple of training sessions with Simeone and them and appreciate the defense of the game. Otherwise, we could be capped at hipster coach teams like Brighton and them and them. To be fair, that's actually a good shout, the Eddie Howe thing, because that's how Eddie Howe was at Bournemouth. Eddie Howe kind of like deserving now, but obviously at a lower level. Yeah. He was a manager where if Spurs needed a new manager, if Arsenal needed a new manager, if Brendan Rodgers was under pressure at Liverpool, Eddie Howe was always a name that people would mention because he played good football. But at Bournemouth, Bournemouth conceded a lot of goals. But you're seeing at Newcastle, you saw Newcastle last Last season, yes, towards the end of the season, they considered a lot more goals, but the defensive shape was really good. This season, to begin with, the defensive shape has been good. So it does show that managers are capable, even deep into their career, in switching. Yeah. So that should give De Zerbi some hope, but he needs to make a conscious effort to do it. But it needs to be something that's pointed out because, look, he's a good manager. Yet again, we're not trying to do this reactionary stuff. People might think it's reactionary. But Nana did did mention it at the very start because Nana usually watched Sassuolo. I didn't watch Sassuolo as much as Nana did. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't watch the motherfuckers. I just watched clips on Serie A, pre the table, put two and two together. And I was like, damn, this guy is drinking gold like it's nothing, bro. He needs to relax. So, well, f- fair, fair enough for, for that. He ne- he really needs to fix up. But look, let's see. But shout out Villa as well. I'm not going to talk too much about them. I respect clubs that they've built a, t- a squad that's semi-decent still when Gerrard was there. They have a coach who's not doing well, which was Steven Gerrard. They get rid of him. They bring in a decent coach who, I'm not going to say Unai Emery is one fantastic coach, but he's not a bad coach. No, he's perfect Villa. Europa League connoisseur. Perfect for what Villa and Villa do. and Villa look like they can be a top table, consistent top table team. I look at the squad, I'm like, you've gotten good players, your team looks very balanced, and you're gonna be a threat. Yes, you're gonna lose games. That's what happens with top table teams. They lost five one against Newcastle, but you're also gonna be a threat. So now shout out to Villa and they got Monchi and Monchi. He he he's thinking big. Whether they can achieve what he wants to achieve, I doubt it. But let's see what Villa can do. Yeah, yeah, with Emery and Villa is the perfect marriage. Man. Top seven contenders, cup runs in Europe, played football that's decent for them and there. Uh, we got the, the, the shit out with Emery at Arsenal. Yeah, was was so crushing on the library. But for that for that level, it's perfect. From perfect marriage, some, some things are meant to be. From you get me from. But if they were talking about oh, they want to be top contenders, Champions League. Emery take them to the promised land for I can tell you that for a fact. Yeah, no, I, I don't think Villa fans think that Emery is going to take them to the promised land, but he's definitely doing better than what Steven Gerrard did. And we have to remember, Villa got promoted not too long ago. For them, for, So for them to go from that to where they are now, big up. And we've seen many clubs who have spent a lot of money stupidly and become crap, i.e. Everton. Villa have spent money well. The squad looks decent and they've got a good manager. So shout out Villa and Everton, get rid. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into that t- game, but just get rid. That's just a side note, but shout out Villa. Oh, yeah. Everton can't hold the sacks on Dutch, bro. They're, they're broke. 
no, no, no. I mean, like, get rid of Everton, as in, like, they should oh, get... in, 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 like, in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, get rid, bro. They lost. We're going to have to wait a couple more seasons, seasons, though, because the three teams that came up here are crap. <laughs> They're comfy, bro. They're comfy. It's, it's jarring. You can't lose to Luton at home. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I say that. Touch wood. <laughs> we don't lose to them at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bro, I'm triple captain Harlow when he. When he, when he uh, <laughs> uh, fam. Fam, when Luton rock up to the Etihad, bro. No, um, mine's are going to Kenilworth Road first. I don't care which ground it is, fam. You've got a triple captain. captain. Yeah, fam. Ah, uh, now nah, that's jokes, but now nah, that's that's a perfect segue to talk about Arsenal and City because look, you guys are playing each other next week, and the way the results went this weekend, it set up your game perfectly. I'll let you talk first on your game, how you guys reacted to your poor performance against Spurs, City losing, and how that shapes up for next week. How are you feeling? Uh, Arsenal game was simple, man. It was a nice day out at Bournemouth. We've been treating that, that born for way like, like, a, like a holiday, fam. Fans always having a good vibe, getting off new chance. It was a good game, man. It was easy, man. From start to finish, controlled. Uh, nothing more to say, man. Like, I'm not, not going to dissect it too much, man. Like, it was a calm game. It was easy, man. Very easy. We got the first goal. They gave us two pens. Wrapped up the game before the 60th minute. What can I say, man? Good day out. Good day out. No, no, no we're going to do too much on the performances. Man. It was just a, what I expect on a, on a way day to Bournemouth, fam. Comfy W, fam. Controlled, clean sheet. And how are you feeling ahead of the City game? I'm shitting it, bruv. Uh, people saying, oh, no Rodri, no, no KDB. Do you think I care, bruv? It's not about City. I'm scared of it. I'm scared of us. Mentality, fam. Because we've done the whole spiel of play well against City, still lost. 3 1, 2 1, fam. Been there, done that. Next next week, just give me a jammy 1 0 win, fam. I'll take it. I don't care about the force. Just give me a W, fam. Just give me a W. Well and truly, fam. Because See, I've played bad and still slapped by heads, fam. So at this point, yeah, just get it how you can, bro. I'm sorry. Get a result. Get a result, fam. But you can say City have played bad and still beating you. But last season, Rodri and KDB played. And you saw with KDB, he got the opening goal after you guys were the better team before they scored that goal. And the goal that KDB scored, even though it was a poor mistake from Tomiyasu, weak foot to lob it over at onrushing Ramsdale, running at the ball. That's still a difficult technique to do. The season before that, I'm pretty sure KDB did not play that game. But Rodri... Rodri. No, he had a bad game. That, 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 that game was Rodri. He should have been sent off here. He scored the last-minute winner, fam. Scored the last-minute winner. But now these two players are not playing. And I feel like KDB, I don't think, is as big of a miss as Rodri because City have found a way to not miss him. But no Rodri... You can see that Pep Guardiola is not really sure of his midfield pairing because yesterday in the first half he had Kovacic and um and Nunes. In the second half, he had Bob and Phillips. That strikes me as somebody who's not confident in his midfield pairing. Don't you think like that should give you guys confidence? Because Rice is back, Odegaard is playing. Um, you can rotate between Havertz and Fabio Vieira. You have apart from Thomas Partey. You have a lot of midfielders to rotate between. And City, from what we've seen, Guardiola doesn't know what midfield pairing he should play. When I know, Rod- I know, but let me raise you this. What is stopping Arsenal here from giving Alvarez the platform to have a game of his life? What is stopping Arsenal here from allowing Bernardo Silva here to have a game of his life? Brother, no matter who City put out here, I'll always be scared of Arsenal's ball loading fan. We always seem to play like idiots at the Emirates, first of all. And secondly, we always seem to give City goals fan. When it's already hard to play against these motherfuckers, fam. So, well and truly, yeah. Next week, yeah, I'm not even... It's not, see, I'm scared of. I'm scared of us, our mentality. How are we, we going to approach that game? Are we going to approach it in a professional manner? Surgical. We're here to bore out. No shippiness at the back. No loose passes. No stupid mistakes at the back. Literally, killer mode. We get our chance. We're putting the top bins. That's what I'm worried about. Like, City, like, yeah, are still have Haaland, fam. They still have Bernardo. They still have Doku's come to the scene. They still got Foden. No matter, no matter how many times I, I get, I get onto Foden, yeah, I, I'm touching him in a sec. Don't don't worry. Foden not go anywhere. And I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come on to you. But they, they still got quality, fam. They still got quality to hurt Arsenal. And the only way Arsenal will win next week Sunday is if we are professional for a minute, one to ninety. When I say professional, yeah, I'm talking we summon the spirit of peak Liverpool, fam, so that Man City can actually fear us for now. Going to that, that game, yeah, as a Man City player or a Man City fan, are you scared? No. Look how that's I've said many times on this point. Look at how KD was talking about us after the community final. I don't care about Arsenal. 
Walker, let's win it in the first half of the season like we did in 2017-18. You think they come up with them comments here if it's Liverpool they're up against? No. City are not phased by Arsenal fans. And rightly so, because each time we've come up against them, we shit our pants. Now that's that, that's that's a good point. That's a very good point because the the way I saw it before you explained it like that, I just thought that look, it's advantage Arsenal for that game. But you you made a good point in terms of mentality. And to be fair, Gavinel also made a very good point about it. He said that next weekend he just wants to see maturity from Arsenal. He said that's the, he said that's the buzzword that he wants to see from Arsenal. He wants Arsenal to go into that game and believe that they can win it. They shouldn't go into that game and be like, ooh, it's Man City. They should go into that game thinking, we're playing Man City at the Emirates. We're a good team. We can beat them and let's beat them because that's going to be psychologically significant yeah. for Arsenal. It's going to be Arteta's first win against Pep Guardiola in the Premier League. Yeah, competitive in, a, in the Premier League. In the Premier League, and then it would also allow Arsenal to leapfrog Man City. Yes, I know it's eight games in, and I'm not going to say that that means you're going to go on and win the All title. Right. So it's all about psychological boost. But you need in title races in a season, you always need a psychological boost. I know that it will be City's second loss in a row if they do lose it. So, right. you know, you know, remember the last time I'm City lost two games in a row? When? Um, 2018, um, after they lost the Pies at home and, and Leicester away. Oh yeah, the season when they won eighteen games in the, in the second half of the season, that was last time they won. They lost two games in a row. That's crazy. That's that's actually like, insane. Like even when you guys won the league, they didn't lose games back to back. Fam, need that. That's good. So look, let's let's see what happens next week. I think it's going to be a cracking game, but I think it's going to tell me a lot about Arsenal. Really, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. If we can leave that game with a result. And not, not just any result. If, if, if it's a draw or a W, but I see maturity as in like, we went blow for blow. As in like, I can see that these men have finally, finally become men. As in like, stop being idiots. Tell like you're adults. Then I can be confident that we can hit 90 plus points and push it all the way. But if it's the same old, we play well for 20 minutes, we give them a goal, we get back into it, can see another done goal, then I know for sure these men ain't, ain't ready yet, fam. So, Next season is all about maturity for me. As 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 Neville said, next week maturity, man, maturity, maturity, maturity. Just play a good game. Because at the end of the day, if you play well, what is stopping us from not winning the game? Especially that like they have no Rodri and no KDB. It's the perfect time here, whereby just playing well could just give us the win at a counter fan. That doesn't worry about no Rodri tactical fouls, killing counter attacks. That's worry worry about KDB unleashing his fury from his left foot and 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 oppressing us. So come on, man! Like you don't, don't no, no Gundogan to 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 to, to shoot from midfield and create some space for Haaland and Grealish. Like it's set up for Arsenal to win. City are, are at their weakest that they'll ever be this season, bro. So if Arsenal plays into relish it, man, relish it. Go into that game believing if we play well, we will win. That's what I want from these lads. So hey, great chance, man! Great chance if we win that. Great boost, man. Great boost for, for, for going to, especially going to international break. Because after international break, two games until we've cleared 33% of the league season. That, that's, that, that's a good way of looking at it. And getting a psychological boost before the international break is brilliant. But what were you going to say about Foden? Because I, 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 Oh, yeah. I'm, like, like, since KDB's been out, you, were, you said, oh, Foden's going to take on the mantle, you know, helps he drugs to, to wins. But it's actually Alvarez, fam, that's been doing the job. Alvarez, a striker, you know, playing that low keys, ten road, pulling the strings, drawing city level, doing a massive run. Like since that Newcastle game at Etihad, yeah, what has been folding standout game since that game? Uh, what was the game where they won two now and they went down to ten men? Uh, right, not, no, for Forest, for, not Forest. Forest. I'll say for, first half in our Forest game. Yeah, yeah. But, but outside that, Alvarez has been shitting on this guy, bro. Yeah, no, fans saying that yeah. raw, this is meant to be Foden's, you know, welcome to the party, fam. But Alvarez is just taking the mantle and saying, No, G, it's me. I'm here. I'm taking the opportunity to show that Pep, you can believe in me. Trust me. Like Foden's turning 24 next May or next March. I don't know, but he's turning 24 next year. All this oh, is getting rotated because he's young. He's a big man now in football terms, 23, 24. He's turning 24 next year, so he should really be first names on the on the Team shoot at Man City right now because KDB, how how old is he when Pep first came? But what 24, 25? 
And it was Pep's main man from day one. I'll, I'll, I'll have to check, but I do agree with you that Foden should be at a stage where he's the first name of the on the team sheet. He's one of the few attacking players, or if not the only attacking player that's been there since Pep first came in. So he should be a player that knows how Pep wants to play the game. He should be the one that knows all the tactical analysis that Pep wants, all the tweaks that Pep wants, what Pep wants from his attacking players. So Foden has had the advantage over every single attacker bar Erling Haaland. And at the moment, he's still not the first name on the team sheet. And I'm not going to say it's worrying because I think Foden is still has a career. He's still a good player. But he's still a good player. But let me just do that here. But for the but for the how people put him high esteem, generational, he's clear of his peers. He should be judged as such because if you're that guy, Pep should see you as that guy, as we saw in his career. Messi uh, at Bayern, Lewandowski was his guy. Thiago was his guy. When Thiago was first coming onto the scene. By now, yeah, Pep should really be seeing Foden as you are my new KDB. Not the not same player as KDB. Not, not, not saying that, but in terms of importance to get some results for this team, I see you in the same light as KDB. And I don't think Pep sees him as that. Also, Foden still has a consistency problem. Yeah. Quiet one game, active the next game. Quiet one game, active the next game. You cannot be inconsistent at this big age here and still be, be getting generational shouts. And the reason why I'm so on his neck is, is how people rub out his, his rivals here to boost him, but yet don't hold him to the same standards. It, it's a fair point. I think the thing that epitomizes what, what we've been saying is next week, is he going to start? We don't know. We should be at a stage where biggest game of the season so far, if you're playing against Liverpool, if you're playing against United, if you're playing against Arsenal, you should be confident that Phil Foden is starting that game. And well, he'll, he'll probably start because um, KDB's out. Ronaldo is an injury doubt anyway, so he should be starting that right wing, to be honest. But the thing is, look what you just said. He should be starting on that right wing just because KDB and Bernardo is out. For me, K- KDB shouldn't be a factor because KDB would play in the midfield. But at this stage, he should be starting over Bernardo Silva. He should be at the stage where he starts. Jeremy Doker has come in and he could potentially be starting over Jack Grealish after Jack Grealish had a fantastic season last season. Yeah. So, look, Foden, like we said, talented player, but we need him to show that talent on a more consistent basis. Yeah, we haven't seen that level since that Champions League knockout year, COVID season. Yeah, that's that's the level that we're expecting. The, his performance against Newcastle, he didn't he didn't get a goal and assist in that game. I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, he didn't. but I, he was, I, I no, he, he assisted an average goal, but a simple five yard pass, and I was yeah. just whacked it. But the thing is, deeper. We're not even talking about off. Oh, look, do you remember that goal, Foden's goal? Do you remember that assist? Because it was just an all round, very good, creative performance. Because we know he has that ability. We just need him to show that week in week out. Because I do agree with you. Yes, the hype that he gets when Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, they speak about him. Um, Rio Ferdinand saying that the England team needs to be built about around Jude Bellingham and Phil Foden. I feel like Jude Bellingham has enough performances and credit in the bank for people to be doing Bro, this. Jude Bellingham has the freedom of the Bonaparte right now, fam. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not one of the main guys from this fam. Modric and Chris here yeah, rate this guy. When them two guys, especially Chris, fuck with you. Bam, you're doing a good job. So, like, he's done that. I'm like, yes, you can say, like, yeah, build a team around him. He's actually shown us that, yes, you can build a team team around him. But when they're saying build a team around Phil Foden, I feel like he's they're saying that because of the idea of Foden, not what they've seen of Phil Foden. So, look, let's see. I, For me, I'm getting a bit concerned, I'll be quite honest with you, because I expected a lot more in this little period. But it's seven games in. There's still what 31 games to go. He needs in yeah, the but KDB's back New Year, fam. We're all rested. <laughs> well, once KDB's back here, yeah, where's the space? Because Alvarez will be lurking as well. True. So can't comment it off despite one game's left. KDB is back New Year's fam. Fresh. We're all rested. Doped up to the brim cuts. PEDs. Everything secure. Drugged up to the max. He's ready to go ham for that running fam. So Folding, yeah, where are you going to be getting your starts? Because we don't know about Bernard Silva. He's going to wake up in the second half of the season, bro. Yeah. So, Folding, are you going to rise it? Are you going to rise it, Folding, fam? Because I've heard all this chat all these years, yeah. Since you called out Mbappe, yeah, I have, I have not been seeing the same energy, fam. Yeah. 
that that's a good point. And at, at that point, he had every right to call out Mbappe because he was putting in the performances. But right now, if he called out Mbappe, people would just laugh at the tweet. Yeah. So, so let's see. But look, next week is going to Nah, I fully agree. But next week is going to be a fantastic game. No, but, uh, but quickly, don't rise next week, though. Rise the week after, fam. <laughs> nah, I hear that, Dad. I, I, love, I, I love how the Arsenal fan came out at the end there. I love that. Love that. You always yeah. have to be an Arsenal fan at heart. Fam, fam, like, I love football, yeah, but rise it two weeks. I think that should break. Rise it. I think that should break. Yeah, the games, um, which are relegation for that, yeah. And gash yourself, fam, but... Actually, yeah, three weeks from now, rise against my new OT fam against your rival, son, your main rival, son. Yeah, rise at OT fam. Emirates here, it's a soccer show. Fingers crossed. Say less. But on that note, it's been a, another episode of Views from the Box. Take care. <laughs>